there's really no other procedure that falls so cleanly into our backyard as minimally invasive gynecologic surgeons than laparoscopic or robotics or clotch. Welcome to Mix Front Page, the official podcast for the Journal of Minimally Invasive Gynecologic Surgery. Listen in as we discuss the latest and greatest JMIG articles focusing on the cutting-edge research in the field of gynecologic surgery. I'm your host, Peter Movilla, coming to you from the University of Kentucky College of Medicine. Today we'll be discussing the paper entitled Complications of Laparoscopic and Transabdominal Cerclage in Patients with Cervical Insufficiency, a Systematic View in Meta-Analysis. We're very lucky to have with us today first author of the paper, Dr. Greg Marchand, who's director of the Marchand Institute for Minimally Invasive Surgery located in Mesa, Arizona. The authors concluded in their review paper that the laparoscopic approach to transabdominal cerclage may be safer than an open approach because of a lower incidence of fetal loss, blood loss, and rate of hemorrhage that occurred in the laparoscopic cerclage group. Thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, well, I really enjoyed your paper, uh, not only because of the surgical complexities that uh, go with placing a laparoscopic transdominal cerclage, but the fact that it was so comprehensive in discussing, you know, things we don't talk about all the times, but are important in our patient counseling, which are complications. So just to kind of get it started, what was your motivation for performing this study? Well, uh, first, I want to thank you for having me on the show today. Uh, and of course, uh, let me thank my brilliant research team at the Institute, uh, especially uh, Dr. Ali Azadi, uh, Dr. Ahmed Masood, uh, Dr. Caitlin Sainz, and just everyone on the team who put so much effort into this study uh, with really uh, no reimbursement for them. So I really appreciate their efforts. Um, Next, I want to acknowledge a part of our inspiration for this study, uh, uh, Dr. Richard Demir. Uh, he's one of the pioneers of laparoscopic cerclage. Um, uh, probably, uh, you know, most people would say that, uh, you know, he's one of the most prolific, auth uh, prolific authors doing this procedure, one of the most prolific surgeons, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, maybe not the inventor of the procedure, but the inventor of a lot of aspects of the procedure, the first to describe the dissection, uh, that blunt dissection that's done the way mostly everybody does it now, uh, as well as techniques for keeping tension on the actual band itself. Uh, so I really appreciate his work, uh, incredible surgeon, and uh, he was a lot of our inspiration. Uh, so the main motivation, though, uh, for performing this study uh, was just a perceived lack of research uh, and studies into the area of laparoscopic cerclage. Uh, and uh, the reason I think it's really important that we study the heck out of this subject, that we really understand it in great potential, uh, is because there's really no other procedure that falls so cleanly into our backyard as minimally invasive gynecologic surgeons than laparoscopic or robotic cerclage. Uh, you know, I, I hate to use the phrase standard of care, uh, but if you're, if you're somewhere where there's a lot of board certified gynecologic oncologists everywhere and you go ahead and try a cancer staging procedure and things go awry, you know, somebody's going to say, Hey, why didn't you consult the oncologist down the street, either refer to him or her, or at least ask their guidance. And I think if we really do believe that, uh, Minimally invasive gynecologic surgery is important enough and special enough to be separately boarded to be its own specialty. Um, you know, then this is our procedure, and it's it doesn't fall uh, into any other specialty. It falls cleanly into ours. Uh, you know, the maternal fetal medicine aspects of it uh, are important as far as maternal fetal medicine doctors perhaps uh, referring for the procedure or suggesting describing what candidates are good candidates for the procedure, uh, but the, the complex anatomy you're dealing with and the pelvic surgical skills, uh, you know, they cleanly fall into our, our basket as minimally invasive gynecologic surgeons. 
And I, I strongly feel that, uh, you know, in the future, we need to own this procedure completely so that somebody would say that, you know, if somebody else tried it and, uh, you know, there's about, what, 50 AAGL fellowships across the country now. SLS has a few, too. Uh, I think somebody should say that you should co you should consult these people or look to them, uh, you know, if they're available for this complex procedure. That's a fantastic perspective. I kind of want to do a whole separate discussion now about fellowship training on this later on. But um, just to kind of stick to the topic of the paper, um, just for some of us who maybe aren't as familiar with this, because you're right, uh, the indication is a little bit more on the counseling side of our MFMs. What is the indication for laparoscopic or transabdominal cerclage? Well, more or less the same indications for the for their vaginal cerclage. I uh, mean, you're going to look at a patient that's going to either have a shortened cervix or have a prior second trimester loss that you don't have a, a clear other understanding of what went on other than cervical insufficiency. But in addition to that, uh, you're going to want to see somebody that's either had a previous vaginal cerclage fail uh, or someone that you've examined, or I, I guess the maternal fetal medicine doctor has examined, and they just don't feel a vaginal cerclage is going to be feasible. Uh, you know, they can't really feel enough of the cervix to get a, a good Gibbs or Sherrard car. Uh, vaginal cerclage on there, or for whatever abnormalities in the pelvis, uh, you know, a vaginal cerclage is not going to be possible. Uh, so that would be a patient who'd be a candidate for an abdominal cerclage or a laparoscopic or robotic cerclage. Gotcha. And from your comprehensive review that was published in JMake, what are some of the complications that really surgeons should be aware of, not only for planning the surgery, but for patient counseling? Um, well, uh, bleeding was the, uh, the biggest complication uh, that we saw a lot of orthos run into. Um, also, if you're performing this in the first trimester of pregnancy or second trimester of pregnancy, uh, clearly have to talk to the patient about pregnancy loss. Um, anesthesia risks are, are important too, and that's one we might not think of so often as a minimally invasive gynecologic surgeon. I know I don't spend a whole lot of time uh, telling about my patients with the risk of uh, anesthesia before a hysterectomy, but, but there is a, a small but significantly, statistically significant risk to the, to the fetus if you're performing it in early pregnancy just from the anesthesia. And then probably the biggest thing uh, is the conversion of laparotomy. We didn't have enough data in this paper uh, to separately address that, uh, but, but I think a lot of minimally invasive gynecologic surgeons do get very used to skimming over the fact that there's a possibility of us having to convert to laparotomy uh, you know, something we try to avoid doing. Uh, but in this case, uh, there, there is a, a significant percentage which will require laparotomy to stop the bleeding and, and complete the procedure. Well, that does make sense given the complexity of the case. Just to get a little bit of the gritty in your systematic review and meta-analysis, you know, how many studies did you ultimately include and how many surgeries was that? Well, when we actually uh, whittled it down with our inclusion and exclusion criteria, we actually ended up with 33 clinical trials, uh, and that included 827 laparoscopic cerclages and uh, 1,370 abdominal open cerclages placed. And uh, the, the uh, nature of this study, we set it up to only use trials. Uh, you know, we excluded case studies uh, and smaller papers in order to keep the papers uh, high quality data as possible. Okay. And then when planning the surgeries, did you find that there was any advantage or disadvantages from laparoscopic versus uh, abdominal or laparotomy for the cerclage placement from your analysis? Uh, yeah. So um, the, uh, the main differences we found was there was going to be a decrease in, in blood loss 
secondary to laparoscopy, uh, a, a decrease in fetal loss. But now that's only talking about fetal loss as a direct result of the surgery. Uh, I'm not making some kind of all-encompassing statement about laparoscopic cerclage being more efficacious than open cerclage. We're actually still working on that data. <laughs> uh, but as a complication, uh, you have less fetal loss, less blood loss. And then uh, separate from blood loss situations where there was more than 400 cc's of blood loss in a single case uh, that we would characterize as a hemorrhage, uh, there was less of that with the laparoscopic approach. Do you think it's due because maybe the better visualization that we see with our cameras on laparoscopy? Well, that's, that's certainly one of the factors. I, I could think of quite a few reasons that might have shown through. You lose a lot of blood with the laparotomy as well. Yeah. Yep, and uh, quite a few people have become experts uh, with those wristed robotic instruments of keeping their blood loss to like a half cc. So I think some of those skills probably showed through as well. Definitely makes sense. Uh, well, any tips or tricks for maybe younger surgeons out there who are planning on performing a laparoscopic cerclage, um, you know, after completing their training and maybe not seeing as much during their training process? Um, well, certainly have great respect for this procedure when you're going to try it. Uh, there's probably not so much risk if you're going to try it in a non-pregnant woman who's who's had a cervical insufficiency and is planning to get pregnant. Uh, but there's, there is quite a significant amount of risk in trying it in the first and second trimester. So consider whether you should be doing the procedure alone or whether you should consider having a proctor available. Also, uh, think about the fact that there's, there's really not another procedure that you really want to be as, as strong and securing your indications on as a gynecologic surgeon. Uh, you certainly don't want to be uh, feeling later, uh, second-guessing yourself if, uh, if the procedure was indicated, if you should have a poor outcome. So make sure your indications are, are solid um, and, uh, if necessary, consult with maternal fetal medicine to make sure that you're on the straight and narrow path there. Uh, I'd also make sure your rescue plans are in order. Uh, you don't want to get into some bleeding, need to suddenly convert to laparotomy and then find out that the major tray is still in the autoclave. Um, and then uh, probably my last piece of advice, uh, a lot of us get very comfortable with our robotic wristed instruments uh, in meticulous dissection. Uh, that is true, but you're also going to be, as far as I know, even with the latest systems, you're going to be surrendering your haptic feedback. And that's going to be very important as you're kind of feeling your way through those major uterine vessels. Uh, so you'll have to decide if it's worth the trade-off. You may want to go with straight sticks to get through that part of the procedure as you're driving the tape through the side of the uterus. Well, that was fantastic advice. As a young surgeon myself, who could see this in my future, thank you so much for your time. Any final words? Well, I just want to thank you for having me on the show, and hopefully we can get more research underway in the area of this exciting procedure. Ditto. Always more research is good, because then I can have you back on the show. <laughs> that sounds great, doctor. <laughs> thank you so much again for your time. Happy holidays. You too. Thanks, doctor. I'm Peter Movilla, and thank you again for joining us on Mig's Front Page, the official JMIG podcast. Make sure to check out the full article from today's podcast at jmig.org. Till next time, keep on reading. <laughs>